You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We got a new edition of the Odds and End Zones podcast on here on the BGN Radio Network. I'm your host, Seamus Clancy, joined as always by my boy Zoe. Zoe, what's going on? What's up, bro? Good to see you, man. We haven't talked since pre-Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I said I did a pod we, we, last we, we've week. Talked. We, we've talked, yeah, but yeah. you know what I mean. We haven't, you know. I, we didn't do the scheduling, didn't line up for us to do a pre-Super Bowl yeah, betting one, which is, I yeah. said on the pod last week, I did solo for from the bleachers, probably works out the best, unless you're just consistently yeah. fading me, which, again, not the worst tactic in the world. Didn't do hot yeah. on the Super Bowl. The, this defines my Super Bowl betting experience was like I never, <laughs> ever, ever, and never will put like a cent into any of those sportsbook casinos. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like the online yeah. casino shit I have, stuff. Well, I'm going to say what I was supposed to That's so funny you said that. Um, I'm, I'm looking at it, literally an email, I guess, two hours ago that said I had like, I have like $200 in a, uh, in DraftKings Sportsbook Casino dollars. Yeah, I um, had. You just like, do a what? spin. You just throw it on blackjack. That's what I. I that's <laughs> that's the move because then it's just like you get rid of it all at once, so you don't have to worry yeah. about it anymore. Like, so what I did was I had they gave me a free five dollar one. I'm at Lola's Super Bowl party. And I'm like, do I just use this? Like, I never. I would never put any any money in there or whatever. But yeah. if it's free, I'm going to use it. Yeah. Because then I could you know bankroll it you know, high roller term into right. the. The actual sports book. So I throw, I had this five dollars and I hit on like red or whatever or black or whatever number I did, and I won thirty six bucks. I was like, oh, I'm just gonna throw this on the coin toss, and I I did tails and it was heads, and that just everything went downhill from there, gambling wise that day. (laughs) Yeah, that's the biggest um, rush you could do, and like the you know the most fifty fifty thing, right? Yeah, and. Yeah, that and um, another weird thing that a lot of folks do is uh, the length of the anthem. Yeah, like the over under. I will tell you though, this is so. This is how how uh, gambling pilled I am. I was watching. I think it was. I think Bleacher Report, like Bleacher Report betting, like before the Super Bowl, posted a video of dudes watching the countdown. And there was a comment from another better a guy commented. It was like, yeah, like if you do your research, you'll see that like for the past 10 Super Bowls, it's always gone over. So they, the time is always gone over for like the past, I think, 10 years, they said. So next year, if you bet the over under, just bet the over on the <laughs> Yeah. Then I wonder, do that like we don't know a lot of this stuff, but do the books smarten up? Because then I think, too. Um, and we didn't really see this specifically with this year's Super Bowl, but I think to the College Bowl National Championship, the Final Four, the, the yep. College Basketball Championship, everyone wants to bet the over. No one goes right. out of the way to bet the under. 
Right. And I'm sure that the actual, and this is, we're talking from like the casual perspective of someone mm -hmm. like actual people who are sharps and doing this or handicappers or mm -hmm. making their livelihood doing this. They're betting right. the under all the time just because they know what they're talking about and doing. Yeah. But I, sometimes yeah. I wonder if the over, uh, at least in them is set kind of artificially high on purpose to entice those casual gamblers who make up the majority, I would say, uh, maybe not the majority profit share, but the yeah. majority of the user base and because they know so. they want to bet the other. I, I definitely think so. I think it's one of those things where, you know, those those people try to cook in the books. It's so it's so old school, but I still think that like in some form or fashion, they do try to at least give themselves, yeah. you know, the the and rightfully so. I mean, they're the book. They're not like, trying to lose money. Right. They're not in the business of giving money away. So they're gonna do they're gonna do what they can to try to keep to keep it in-house. So I do think at if not this year, that they eventually are gonna smarten up and raise and raise all that stuff. And like eventually you're gonna see that unless you're laying down substantial bucks, you're not really gonna see a good return on stuff like that. Maybe I bet the under next year on the anthem. Yeah, see, and that's that's like I think once if all if a lot of people just start hammering the under on it, then I think that like all of a sudden you'll see like all the the, the numbers change because I think what what they're seeing is like folks are like yo like everybody's betting the, the over because the price just keeps going older. So I think once you one good year, folks hammering the under will uh, will change that. Next year parlay for the Super Bowl under on anthem, Kenny Gainwell first touchdown. Russell Wilson MVP of the Super Bowl. Kenny Gainwell first touchdown. That's an uh, that's yeah. an uncut gems parlay that just does not happen in the real world. Like that doesn't. I, and exist. you know what? I'll even I'll even get even more bold. I'll say, um, despite what Colin Cowherd says, I hate this. I, I I'm I'm not trading Slay. I'll say a Slay pick six, and like oh. you know, um, do defensive yeah, touchdown be, on there. A, a little little defensive touchdown on there. You know what? I think I. I'd probably rather say, just say defensive touchdown to, to, to be a coward about it. I'll just say defensive touchdown. Con coward. You are the con coward. The, Should we talk about that? What was it? So coward's suggestion. I didn't watch the video, but obviously I've seen an aggregated a bunch. So con coward's proposed trade was four first-round picks and Darius Slay, which just seems like a random throw-in from a guy who's not understanding things from a contractual salary basis, which, which is was. fine. Which is fine. That's his job. It's it's fine. Yeah. Four but that's literally what it was. This, he said all three first rounders this year, next year's first, and like, and then he ended it with, "Oh, you like Darius Slay? I'll give you Darius Slay too." And, and then that again, it's a guy who doesn't understand how contracts work at at all. And big saying, CBA guys like us, right? Right? Not big CBA guys like we are. Whatever. Nobody is uh, really, but um, yeah, it's it's a disgusting video. Don't watch it. Like for. For first and Darius Slay for for Russ. I mean, I've seen some crazy stuff, but it was, it was just nuts. And he would the nut, the craziest thing is that he was serious about it. I mean, I, I would I'm I've become um, I guess we, we might as well transition to Harden too, I guess. But like, I've become so uh, so so like do the deal. Guy. I'm win now pills. I'm not 21 year old. I don't care about the assets yeah. anymore. I'm just You're like so win. I'm I'm so win now pill. Like since the, there's like, there's a big war going on right now. Like my uh, I had a I've had a running joke for the last like several months with a couple of my buddies, and it was like the Eagles should just trade a bunch of like as go as far in the future you can as possible with trading first round picks because you right. don't know even know if that 
draft happens right. or anything or the world's right. around like 20, 31 first round pick. Like what are the odds that the NFL even exists then? I don't know. What are, like what are not possible. Of- everything could be over by then. Everything could be over. And also like what what's the possibility of a of an NBA draft in twenty twenty six? They're talking about abolishing the draft anyway. Like Yeah, like point, we might we might even have a country at that point. Like who cares? Yeah. And his so, and his freedom is our president. Somehow they, they rewrote the constitution that someone born outside the United States could be president. Odds and end zones is officially a win now pill pod. Do the deal. Do the deal. Though we're obviously we're huge, huge process guys. And yeah. that's fine. It was a necessary evil. Like in retrospect, I don't like it as much as I did then. And I, I don't mean that in terms of like the moves they made, but just in the sense that like, hey, I guess that it's fine if you're the, the comparison I use if you're just some a person who has two kids and you really like Sixers basketball and you wanted to come home after a day of work, put the kids to bed and it's eight o'clock and you want to watch the Sixers game. That kind of sucks if they're just like literally trying not to win the game in a way. I know yeah, the players like, specifically weren't. They were just, you know, constructing a roster that was terrible. And obviously it's paid dividends. They, there were a lot of failures and misfires there, but it landed Joe and it put us in a position to have Harden now. So it's it's certainly a win and I'm happy we went through it. And, you know, if it wasn't for that, my career probably isn't the, where it is now because of how much Liberty Bars was part of the coverage of that area. But I think now if I was my age then, and that was kind of, there was a generational divide then too, I think, on, on Twitter. And now I'm like, you know, it was smart. It was the right, it feels a little dirty, but it was the right thing to do. But I wouldn't really want to endure it the way I did then. I I, I 100% agree because at, during the time, of the, during the process years, um, I, I was single. Like me and Shane literally just started dating. So like, it didn't matter to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, yeah, yeah. You don't have you know, like, like real life responsibilities then, where you can kind of right. around just, and be I like, just, "I'm watching." Like, I like, I, like, could you like, imagine having like with two kids, wife, all those things? Like having league pass now, like, you yeah. can barely watch like the own Sixers yeah. game. Like, I couldn't do league pass now, but I yeah. watched all the time in college, and I was so into all the minutiae and the tanking right. and the rebuilding. Like, and and the money. I probably could yeah. have named the the twelfth man on every roster. Yeah. Then. It's just different when you get older. No, and and. And it's a good point because the divide, I think, was very clearly like the detractors were the guys who were like, how am I supposed to pay money for this? I don't want to pay money for this. You know, like, I don't want to bring yeah. my kids down to this. And like now having kids, like I get it. You know, I don't I'm not like I wouldn't. If this was the process years. No, I wouldn't pay to take my son. My son has the attention span of 20 minutes. Like I wouldn't pay. You know, to thirty dollars for chicken fingers, and you know, fifty dollars a part, just to go watch a a, a ten and ten and twenty six basketball, whatever. You know, right? So, like, I I get it. I understand now. Like you said, I I, I totally get the the other side of the of the think tank, but um, yeah, it was it was right in terms of basketball operations, but yes. just kind of sucked if you're a yes. fan of a certain you know, background, age, demographic, whatever, it becomes a detriment. But I'm kind of happy that, you know, Joe isn't isn't necessarily young anymore. So I don't know how long we'll be on this win now ride, but uh, let's keep it going as long as possible. I don't want to go back to that. that That's it. So, you know, punting on, you know, we talk about the Eagles punting on a single game in 2020 season, how much of a disaster that was in terms of the conversation and discourse around it. I don't even want to go back to punting an entire 
you know, three seasons of basketball anymore. Right. Well, and I, and I think that um, I think Hinky's issue or, or the, the, the issue that faced him when he took the job was he had like there was bad contracts up and down that roster. They didn't have any assets. So like he had they were missing a couple of picks. Right. And he had to peel back the onion even further. I think after yeah. this run, which if we be serious with ourselves, probably only honestly at Joe's age, at, at the way Harden is, we probably only, we, you know, we got them for another good three and a half, maybe four years. So like this run ends, we're going to be in much better shape than they were before the process started. Like you're going to have yeah. Tyrese Maxey, who's just, who knock on wood, should just about to be ready to be maxed out. You're going to probably most likely have um, a, a ton of other good draft capital and like, who knows what Jay Springer looks like, Paul Reed, all those guys. So, like, I, I don't think that even after this run that they'll be in a process part two type phase. I think they'll just be in a, all right, do we want to put our put our chips all in for another young star, or do we want to just you know um, build through the draft and go and grab another you know some mid level free agents, which is like completely different. Because when you when, you remember when we started the process, dude, like it was it was terrible. We were like, oh man, like. <laughs> Then it yeah, was welcome for people were calling for it for years before it happened. And just because not every team needs to do the full blown tank to rebuild. Right. It, it's not right. a necessity, but it was necessity for where the Sixers were at. Yep. And I looked to Houston and I think that Maury might have been in a position where he wanted to do a strip down, but I don't think he was yeah. allowed to buy ownership. And that's why they did the little red paper clipping. Uh, you know, you win this trade, you win this trade, you win this deal, you win this deal. And then eventually you find yourself having James yep. Harden. That's a yep. situation that I could see, you know, if Sam Hickey came into a different type of roster he inherited when he came here, it doesn't necessarily mean that he was going to do a full-blown teardown. And I don't think necessarily Daryl Morey wants to deal with that. And even if, you know, four or five years from now, Joe and, and James are gone, I still have faith that he'll be able to keep things at least middling entertaining while also still building for the future and putting in the position to get the next big star that's available by a trade-free agency, whatever. I think he I do think that he said I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I almost feel like there was a time or two where in this during this process where he said like he basically Sam Sam he calls him Sam. Sam did Sam Hinkey Sam did whatever he had to do. And and I, what I think he means by that is extreme turnover was needed. So like he you know, he, he yes. did exactly what he had to do, which is like, look, they don't even have a foundation here. Like, we got to rip everything up from the roots and just start over. I think, um, like you said, I actually think that what they would do is more so stay middling, keep it entertaining, you know, keep it enough to where people are like, no, I get it. They're, you know, they're bridging the gaps to, to the next phase of a run. You know what yeah. I mean? Then Max ends like, up that guy who's made like, ends up making, two or three all-star teams in his prime, not like a Hall of Famer or anything like that, but a guy that, you know, maybe he's on a Darius Garland track. We're like, we have this exciting young player picked up an all-star team or two. He's not an all-star starter, but he's really good. And that kind of leaves us in a place where we can be decent. We could, uh, you know, be entertaining for people, but at the same time, we're keeping that flexibility for big trade or big signing. And I, and if you look at who, my the example I like to use is is look at Memphis. It didn't take them forever. John Morant, yeah. Jaron Jackson, and Desmond Bain were all within two years of each other, and yeah. and they're the, they're the three seed in the West 
they don't have any veterans. Like, there's no, like, you know, sincere veterans on that team. They're all young guys who've only been in the league for two or three years. Like, that, it does not take long at all. Like, you you hit you hit right and you get a front office. <laughs> What's funny enough, the, the Sixers scouting department is actually really, really good. I mean, they got – the, the, those are the same guys who got Maxi and Paul Reed and and those guys and like and you know Charles. I mean Bass. that uh 2020 draft is incredible in retrospect where yeah. you know you have yeah. Maxi is can maybe be a fringe star uh, with the 21st pick and then you have Paul Reed who's interpreter as a second round pick and they had yep. Isaiah Joe who might be you know I think is a legit rotation piece in this league yeah, with a second 100%. round pick. You just you're hitting on a second round pick who's a player. I'm not saying he has to be great. He's just an NBA rotational player. That's a big win. If you're getting two in the same draft, in addition to getting a guy who has star upside outside of the lottery, yeah, that's incredible. And what, one of the things that um, that Maury's known for, or was known for, even even during his mostly during his time at Houston, is like being able to pick those those scrap heaps up. So like yeah. second round guys, the Robert Covertons of the world, who like. You know, you just you find out of nowhere and you turn them into something, which is like fine archetypes, right? So like, it may not be during this run, but like over the summer, if it turns out, you know, he he brings in two or three dudes who are just either guys we never heard of or guys that he turns into rotation players. I would not be surprised at all. That's just that's just the way he operates. He's just that's like his eye. His eye for that kind of talent is incredible. It's one of the best in the league. He just knows he, he knows how to find guys with specific skill sets. I did want to mention this, and this isn't a sponsored post or anything, but DraftKings is running a special right now. If you put $25 on a team to win the title in the NBA, you get an extra buck towards a free bet come the playoffs. So the Sixers have 24 games left. And if you throw $25 for them to win the title, which is they're plus 700 right now, I got them at plus 1600 right before the Harden trade. I'm really happy about that. And say the Sixers go, you know, 16 and eight in that span, you get a $16 free bet come the postseason. Yeah. And also, if you if you do the bet today, you get a free um, $10 same game parlay for the following day that you make the bet. So I bet it today. I don't know what time this will come out or anything like that. If yeah. it's, you know, recording this late Thursday afternoon, I don't know if it's going to come out tonight. It's going to come out tomorrow morning, but you can try to throw it on there and then tomorrow I'm gonna put some hard and props together yeah. for some fun there. Looking at their their schedule, the, the next 24 games, I probably see them at – I probably see them – My originally I said 20 and 4, but I can I can see them going like 17 and 7. I, I just – I'll take 17 and 7. I wrote because um, you're still gelling, right? I was I was talking to I was talking to to, to Mike Mike Levin the other day, and I kind I just mentioned to him like I think the word when you when when people in sports right when teams say you trade for a guy you say oh it's gonna take a while to get up and running or it's gonna take a while to get acclimated I don't think that has to be a negative connotation like I think we're just used to assigning a negative connotation to that I think it can be just as positive like if you're like look it's gonna take a while but like you can still win games if it takes a while to do like yeah. that, that listen they're still rolling out the mvp favorite and a bunch of other, you know and a bunch of other guys who helped them get to where they are now even before Harden. so like yeah. it, there's nothing there's nothing in that statement of it's going to take a while for him to get to click 
that means that they have to lose six in a row or like they have to have a yeah. bumpy start out. It can you can still come out and win, you know, the first six games of the Harden era and be like, yeah, just wait till we actually start clicking. Like they can come out just on talent and beat teams, which I think we'll see. Exactly. I, I personally think we'll see that more than anything for this next week. You know, I, I think you're just going to see them just over talented teams. Like they play Minnesota. They should be Minnesota. Like I know Cat and, and but like they should still be Minnesota. And then they got. I don't know if it's uh, official with the lines because of Harden's status. Even though we're assuming he's going to play, Minnesota is currently a one point favorite. Now. Yeah, so like, that's obviously because they don't know if Harden's playing, like officially playing. Yeah, it's, it's not um, official yet. That yeah. line will change tomorrow afternoon. Yeah, it'll change. Yeah, and then um, you know, same thing with like they play the Knicks. They haven't a back to back with the Knicks. They they're going to beat the Knicks, and then you get into the meet the schedule two weeks two weeks away. You play play the Nets and like. I, I, I can almost I would almost guarantee that the Nets are not gonna have Ben Simmons. I don't see Ben Simmons playing in Philadelphia. Um I see Do you think he will ever play in Philadelphia another game in his career? No, I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. I don't think they what if ever. they call him in a playoff series? In I don't think he'll series, ever play a he'll never play a regular season game in Philadelphia. I think season, that's that's a decent not. bet. I just, he might have he's gonna team. have to if it happens in the playoffs. It could happen this year, right? He yeah. that, he has it to play, right? It could literally happen to where the Sixers are the three seed and the Nets are the six seed. And like the, yeah. that first round series is them. His first game in the playoffs is here. <laughs> like then he's got a plum ankle that day. Right. right, right. I read like, it. Uh, shouldn't in a way he just uh, ripped the bandaid off in the 10th because yeah. of that. Like if, if you're the Nets brass, are you going to be like, you should play because we might play them in the playoffs this year. And, Odds are we're gonna be playing them sometime in the next three years, just just the nature of the league. And if that's your first time, that's gonna be a hell of a lot worse and a lot yeah. harder on you, and a lot harder on this entire team because you're gonna be a huge distraction. Just rip I, it off for a random regular season game on a Wednesday. I think there's something Thursday, to be said whatever it is. for. I agree. I think there's something to be said for. Just, I, I think they underestimated the, the the. I mean, the trade is done, but I really think they underestimated how much how much mental stress that the past couple of months have been for everybody. And yeah. I really, I really don't think he wants to play here. And I don't even, even as a, a visiting player, I, I agree. Danny Green on his podcast yesterday was just like, I'll be surprised if Ben ever plays a game here. And he, cause he hates it here. That's not a guy who's saying that from the, from, you know, hearsay, like if you're in a locker room with him, and like you know how he looks on home game days, you're like, oh yeah, like he hates it here. And like Danny I, Green I, drops bombs on that podcast. Yeah. The crazy thing is, he was one of Ben's biggest like proponents. Like, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he was the one who told us that we were too that we were too rough on our own players. And like, yeah. I, I listen, I totally understand being cordial and being a good teammate and being a good you know employee, but like. Bro, you called us out. You said that we are we're too rough on our, our own players, and we need to give them a chance. Like you could have just left it at. I just think Ben just needs some time. You know what I mean? Like, so you know whatever. But like the bombs he's been dropping since Ben left, incredible. Um, and and so I, I, but I just think that um, I think the Nets have the work cut out for him with them. I, I do. I I, I know like. 
I know kind of how talented he is in a regular season because we all we all do. But man, I just think that they think that it's it's more than a change of scenery for me. I just think that it's a lot that's going to have yeah. to go into that. Do you want anything for the game tomorrow? Kind of hard with the, the kids. Right? Um, I, is I, it does that help you that it's an eight o'clock game, right? It does help because we get we typically, especially on Fridays. On Fridays, we like to get the game, um, you know, uh, in the bath and in bed by like eight eight fifteen. So like at the very most, I miss like the first five minutes. But that's that's eight o'clock. You on just Friday. missed eight eight hardened free throws. Yeah, like I, I missed like I missed the first fifteen hardened and B free throws. Um, it's, it's it's even better now because. Uh, every Sixers game is going to be four hours long. So it's perfect. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you want any euphoria stuff? Again, might talk about euphoria right now, so be warned of any spoilers if you haven't been up to date on the penultimate episode, which aired last Sunday, aired season last Sunday, finale yeah. on Sunday. So be warned. I will. I, I won't be a complete jerk. I'll just say um, I'll give my thirty thousand foot overview. Again, I don't want to be a jerk to everybody who hasn't caught up. I think this season for. Um, one, so two people, I'll give on two people. I think this season for Rue is certainly award worthy. I, I, I man, she, she's I been incredible. She's been incredible. Dude. I, I, I think that, um, man, she's been, she's, she's been, she's been incredible. I, I, I really, really, really have enjoyed her character and the kind of arcs that she takes. Her, um, you know, her sponsor, Ali, his character has been amazing. I, I just think it's, you know, her mom, her sister, I, I think the whole, that foursome has been really, really good this year and this season, excuse me. Um, and then Nate Jacobs, man. I, listen, I can't – I know they already signed off on season three. I just can't see a world where I, I make it through another full season with him. What What is your pro comparison for him? We've talked about this. I said Jay Cutler build and obviously definitely body language and attitude. Yeah. But with some Drew Lock wheels. I look more at Drew Lock. I, I I'm I'm on board with that. I think totally big Drew Lock vibes. A lot of a lot of Jay Color, you know, blase and like, yeah, some some Drew Lock stuff. And he just yeah, he looks at he the cutler vibes are for me the talented kid who you just feel like you have to beat up every day. Like I have to I have to yell at you. And, His coach and, must hate him. Oh, dude. Oh, oh, I, I just know this coach hates him because you know who he is? He's also the kid. Like, he wakes up on conditioning day, hungover, and he still goes and outruns everybody. And you're like, oh, yes. I really wish I could yell at you right now, but you just outran everybody. So, what am I going to say? Did he have I, I, uh, a Baker and OBJ relationship with McKay, you think? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's actually really good, too. I love that. I, Where's uh, McCabe been? I guess they, they had so many plot lines from season one, they couldn't figure them all out. 
So um, is he is he my, off the college team? You think? I think he's off the college team. Remember? Because I remember there's a story like his dad was being a hardo because he wasn't first string as a freshman, which is just like you know it's a stereotypical like, dad archetype. And his dad was basically like you know like Maddie's like ruining your life, like you're too focused on Maddie, blah blah. blah. And like that's the reason you're not first string. And then it turns out he got there and just turns out that like he just wasn't that good. But like which happens, um, and I'm sure like they do take a lot of classic archetypes. And it does have like we talked about this before. The show feels like it's set in Texas, but it's set in Southern California <laughs> in a way. The the funny thing about that, right? Because the football vibes feel which were more pre- like prevalent in the first season. Yeah. And especially I think back to the first season when they had that festival or carnival or fair right. that yep. felt very like state fair type vibe in yeah. like a, a landlocked or middle Midwest or Texas type place. That felt like a, that felt more like a rural PA type. Like, yes. Thing. Not a, as opposed to a California type <laughs> venture, but um, that, well, it's a lot of it's a lot of real parts of the show, but that felt more real than anything. Where like the star running back goes to, you know, D one school, and it's just like not doesn't even scratch the surface because he's he's only he's he's one of a hundreds of him. Like there's a hundred yes. kids when he goes, he got there and they were just like, oh, you're just another drop in the bucket, dude. Yeah, like which is why like you look at. Um, so I, was, I I had a conversation with. Um, with a buddy of mine, and we were just talking about how I got like college freshmen, specifically in football. Basketball is kind of different because it's more of an individual sport and there's less people on the team. But like college freshmen who make an impact, because he, I mean, he doesn't, he didn't go to the prep, but he was like, "Oh, your boy had three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl." Talking about Marvin Harrison, I was like, "I was like, dude, you have to realize how hard that was." Like leading up to that. He got he he was like fourth on their depth chart, and like guys got hurt, his number got called. He could have easily dropped like his first five passes, and then and it would be like, oh yeah, dude, like you you may not see the field like until spring ball, but like he like he balled out, caught three CDs, and now everybody's like, yeah, that like that's wide receiver one next year. Like your your fortunes change so much when you're a top level prospect. It's so different. Top level and mid level are literally, it's miles away. And I think the physical difference when you're going to the obviously, I didn't play college triple or anything like this. I'm just speaking what it just seems sound thought process yeah. and rational. The physical difference when you're coming in as a freshman 100%. must be so overwhelming because yeah. the year before you're playing against 10th graders who got broken up with between right. chemistry and lunch. Right. And now right. you're going against a guy with the size of Chase Young. There's a bunch of Chase Youngs out there. There's a bunch of Chase Youngs. There, right. there are guys who are physically ready to play in the NFL day one that day. Right. And they're going right. against them now. And to have like, that kind of impact. Maybe you see it more at skill positions. Maybe it's easier at a, at a receiver yeah. or position. It must be really hard in the trenches, I would think, to have that type yeah. of impact instantly. Because you need yeah. to get in a collegiate uh, you know, strength and conditioning program. And yep. that, that really uh, – makes a huge difference for the, those, uh, you know, the guys in the trenches or linebackers yeah. or stuff like that, as opposed to some of the skill positions or, uh, you know, secondary players potentially. I think that, um, so what I like to do is I, I actually do, sometimes I Google or like YouTube, like such and such college, like, like, like nutrition program or like strength and conditioning program. 
And it getting ready for Amari. Get ready, get Amari ready. You know, get our <laughs> we rub his calves down with uh, buttermilk every night before bed. That's right. So like, <laughs> it's like um, you you don't understand just how grueling it is. So like you could be you could be like y'all I, like I'm a I'm a I'm a high school quarterback. I'm going to such and such college. You're used to you know being rushed by dudes who have like lacrosse scholarships to like Franklin Marshall and stuff. You get you yes. get to your first collegiate yes. practice, and the guy the guy coming off the edge is a top five NFL draft. Like he's ready. You yeah. know what I mean? And Jonathan like, Davis is coming at you. Right, right. You line up, and like Jonathan Davis is literally ten feet away from you, ready ready to rip your head off. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. So like, I probably got to spend a little bit more time in the weight room and in the cold tub. Like it's it's a different world, man. I I. I I applaud those guys because it's a it's a different world and it, it's a it's a job really like college sports is a job. My dad had a buddy who I think played at Clemson collegiately, um, from from Philly from South Philly, and he got like a you know undrafted free agent rookie yeah. or training camp thing, signed with the Bucks and this is probably late nineties I would think. First practice, I guess he's an interior lineman. Yeah. Goes up against literally his first is goes up against Warren Sapp, and he said before the play even started, he knew his career was over. It was he was just not going to be able to do it. Like the first time you ever stepped on an NFL field for any sort of play or scrimmage, you were going against Warren Sapp as a guy who was undrafted <laughs> from Clemson and well, you know from, from guy from Grace Ferry just just left. <laughs> he didn't just leave, but I'm I'm assuming he probably didn't make the roster, and I'm sure you know mentally there's the mental element too where. Yeah, you're this guy for the guys that make it that are so unheralded, their mental toughness and stamina, or however you want to say it, has to be just off the charts. I think to Corey Clement, who started the year undrafted yeah. rookie for agent, seven, yeah. like was sixth or seventh on the uh, death chart, and then goes as yep. one of the best Super Bowl running back performances of the last 15, 20 years. And, and it goes back to you know, you look at your undrafteds and you look at your, you know, your free agents and like those guys, there becomes a point where you just, you just say, I'm going to sacrifice and your job becomes just staying in shape because people get hurt all the time, you know, and guys get lost for the season, guys get lost for 10 games. So you go from, you know, look, we're going to bring you on a practice squad or we're going to bring you on the traveling squad. And next thing you know, you got to come in, you know, week week ten against the Giants because all the other running backs are hurt. Like that that's the, that kind of stuff is like what you look for is like the the right kind of um, the right kind of job interview, basically, so to speak. It's like, all right, you know this this kid's got something. Had a you know he he got a buck against the against the Giants. Maybe let's keep him on a practice squad, see how he does for a year or whatever. It's like yeah. that's really all you want. You get a chance, then it's up to you to to on what you make or break it. Do you want to give a spoilery prediction for Euphoria before we go that again? Spoiler warning for anyone. Yeah, so uh, my I'll give you my my one prediction is I think that I think something this is so broad, but I I I think that there is one last like Nate kind of what's where I'm looking for. I I think confrontation. yeah, I think I think there's like one last confrontation slash like desperate type 
you know, leap of leap of evil faith from Nate to where he like I, I think he finally meets. Uh, I'm not gonna say he dies, but I, I think Nate finally meets like his official end on on Sunday. I, I don't think that I would be shocked if if they like leave the, the door open for him to come back another season. I'm excited. Dust. I, I love that stupid show. It's so like there's there are people talk about like enjoying stuff ironically, and at a certain point, I'm like, no, f that. I just enjoy the show. Is it the greatest <laughs> show ever? No, but it's just entertaining as hell. I think Fesco yeah, like it's not goes. Even yeah, like for me, it's, it's not even ironic for me anymore. At first, it was ironic, but now I'm just like, yeah, I just love the show. Like, I'm enthralled at the characters. I mean, they, there's a lot of great performances. In a way, the show feels like a music video in a way more than a show. Just the way it's shot, and you know, you're kind of, uh, it's kind of has this magical realism aspect to it. It does that, feel that like good, that like runs under the surface. Like it almost doesn't feel like it's existing in reality. That's such a good way to put it. It does feel more like a a like an hour long music video as opposed to a show because there's always yes. like there's always music. There's always like dark lit rooms and stuff. Like it, it rarely feels like a an actual show. Like I, every time I watch, especially it, with Lexi's play, you were just right. jumping over timelines and different characters, different actors and actresses play, right. playing different characters. Well, who, who has a bigger budget, uh, Lexi's play or the Cape and Sword Drama Society? <laughs> I still think Braithwaite gets a couple grand for it. Cape and Sword, I think Braithwaite still pulls some strings and they get they get a couple a couple grand because I their last play was uh was substantial. So shout out, nice. shout out to Cape and Sword. Do you think we get some crazy big Zendaya musical number like the end of the first season? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think it's a like it's a, the show is kind of an avenue for her. Uh, artistic yeah. musical career, which I respect. That I mean, that was mesmerizing yeah. at the end of the first season, but we'll see. I think we do get some kind of crazy, crazy number. I, I think they have to end it with some kind of, you know, ridiculously, you know, well thought out and choreographed number. But yeah, I, I absolutely think so. I think back to the second season of the OC where they had the cliffhanger, where uh, you know the girl shot uh. Ben McKenzie's brother, and that was like the huge yeah, cliffhanger, and exactly. spoofed on SNL. Like I, f- I could see some of those vibes where, you know, Lexi and Zendaya are there, or Lexi and Rue, I should say, uh, there when Fezco goes down, or or something like that. Yeah. And those those drug dealers. I mean that that plot line still needs to be resolved where Rue Rue's mother uh, flushed all the drugs down the drain that she was gonna and like yeah, like, so like pawn that. off on people, and that like. There's got to be an ending to that or like a continuation of that. So I, I think that there's, I, I think you're right. I think there is going to be some kind of, some kind of cliffhanger, maybe a small one, but yeah, I, I think that there's just so many plot lines. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think that there's just too much for everything to be shored up on Sunday alone. I wonder if it's an extended uh, episode, you know, it goes over an hour. I'm going to see if I could find the runs for it. Cause you think back to like Thrones, some of the episodes were like an hour and a half, two hours when they were getting towards the end of the season. Yeah. I'm trying to remember, and I can't quite remember last year how long how long season one's finale was, but I feel like it may be like an hour 15 and not just a straight hour. Doesn't say on here for episode eight. But, oh, maybe I could look at uh, like the TV calendar on like the – Yeah, or if you check yeah, – um, Like just look at HBO and fast HBO forward to Sunday. I don't have the app on me, but – APO Max might show you too. It's only the nine of like uh oh wait, no, 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 no. 
Yeah, it's just 9 p.m. to 10.03 p.m., so not something super extended. All right, so, yeah, so so it's going to be action-packed then. We know that at least. You got a lot going on, a lot going on. Yeah. All right, you got anything for me? I think that's it for me. I think that's it for me too, bro. All right, that's it for us. Be sure to – Harden game. Be sure to subscribe to the BGN Radio podcast on your pod, podcast platform of choice. Leave a five-star review. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, all our podcasts – uh, for this, as well as from the bleachers, are on the BGN YouTube channel. There'll be a link to the BGN YouTube channel in your podcast description. Additionally, you could find Zoe's work, Sixers' work, uh, at the Rights to Rookie Sanchez newsletter. That, does that come out every Wednesday? It's come out Thursday, or is it just weekly? Every uh, every days? every Thursday. It's every, every Thursday, Thursday or Friday. Okay. Rights to Ricky slash newsletter. And then you could also still obviously find my work here on BGN Radio, but starting Monday, we'll have a new position as the deputy sports editor at Philly Voice. You can follow all my work on there at phillyvoice.com, as well as home to BGN Radio's own Jimmy Kemsky, who is uh, Philly Voice's Eagles beat writer. So some good brand and corporate synergy going on right now. Yes, all right. sir. See ya. Peace.